So if you want to get a little better at thinking, it could be useful to know what these cognitive biases are. Welcome to Sharp Podcast, where we have one aim, to help you get better at the stuff that you have to do and spend more time doing the stuff that you want to do. Hang on a minute. That, that's two. That's two aims. For goodness sake, can't we even get the intro right? Sorry, we'll try that again. In the meantime, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 64. How you doing? Hope you're all right. There's loads going on in the world at the moment, isn't there? I'm hoping that these episodes are either helpful in some practical way, um, or if not, they're at least a distraction. Now, as you can hear, I am back out and about for this introduction. Don't worry, I'm still social distancing. Oh, it's a bit windy. Um, So in this episode, we're looking at how we think and how we can think better by being aware of our biases. And we're going to find out what cognitive bias is, um, why they can be unhelpful, and maybe what we can do differently. Oh, and I've got some bad news. Um, We've got a bit of an audio diary from... Steve in the field. Yeah, I apologise in advance. Um, His part will be rubbish, but hopefully the rest will be good enough for you that you don't hold it against us and want to come in and kick our doors in, shaking your fist. Um, Anyway, that's all going a bit weird. Let's get on with the episode. You're biased. No, I'm not, you say? Yes, you are, I say. Okay, this could go on for some time. Um, But I'm afraid you are biased. And so am I. And so is every human being. And it's not something that we like about ourselves. We like to think that we are rational and calm and balanced, and we think clearly and so on. But sadly, sometimes the truth is we are often none of those things. And that might be a shock. Now, the Nobel Prize winner, Daniel Kahneman, wrote a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. When I say he wrote a book, actually, what he did was he took a lifetime's remarkable research with years spent learning about the human condition and turned it all into something that we can understand and wrote it down in less than 500 pages. But the subject of this book is broadly that we have two systems of thinking. We have a fast one and we have a slow one. And often, although not always, the fast one can trip us up. And this can lead to bias or more specifically, cognitive bias. Now there are actually over 180 defined cognitive biases. And in a minute, we're going to look at our top 10 chart. You can read about all 180 if you like. I'll put some links in the show notes. So why do we have cognitive bias? Well, the reason is that biases are a consequence of something that our brains do really well, simplifying information. In fact, we miss thousands of choices that our brains make for us every moment. And that's a good thing, because if we paid attention to all the choices our brains are making all the time, life would be impossible. Listen to Steve in the field, making a cup of tea. Now... What is tea? Um, 
I think there's something in, in a cupboard that might be tea. Let's have a look here. Okay, uh, no, that, that's not tea, that's a, that's a tin of soup. Um, all right, uh, what about this one over here? Uh, no, I don't think that's tea. Um, but these things, they look like they might have something to do with tea. I, I think they hold the tea. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's a cup. Okay, I need a cup. Um, okay, I've got a cup. What's next? Um, how about, uh, yeah, a potato. So I've got my cup and I've got a potato. Now, what was I doing again? I think I need to do this. Uh, um, oh, right, yeah, this is a kettle. And I think, that's it, I, I think I switched it on to make the water. And then this sensation is happening while my hand is in the water and the bubbles are... Honestly, it's the same every time. Never accept an invite from Steve in the field when he asks you around for tea, coffee or anything ever. Think about all the possible combinations of things that are in your kitchen. A spatula, a Brussels sprout, some ham. And if every time you wanted to make a cup of tea or coffee, you had to meticulously eliminate every individual item that you don't need to make the tea, it would take forever. So, of course, our brains do all the heavy lifting and they make the fast choices for us so we can operate fast. To survive, we've had to develop an instinctive, hardwired ability to make decisions quickly. Especially when they involve stripy animals on the savanna that might want to eat us for dinner. And it's this fast-thinking system that keeps us alive, helps us operate in the world, but sometimes makes us think things that are rubbish. Because a side effect of our brains being really good at simplifying complicated things is cognitive bias. And that means that we miss things, we make stuff up, and we navigate our world based on a set of wobbly assumptions. I'm going to publish a link to an amazing image created by a bloke called Buster Benson. What he says is that there are three conundrums that we face in life. There's too much information, so our brains have to filter some out. Things often lack meaning, so we give them meaning by creating stories. And we don't have enough time, so we jump to conclusions. So if you want to get a little better at thinking, it could be useful to know what these cognitive biases are. So we're going to share what we think are the top 10, and we've used a very scientific approach to select them. No, we haven't. We've just picked 10 that we think are interesting. Let's go. So the first in our top 10 of biases is a big one, the confirmation bias. Do you think that climate change is a major problem for the future of the world? Or do you think that it's been invented by China to cause global distraction? Well, if you believe climate change is a huge problem for the future of the world, then you will probably tend to favour articles and news reports that confirm that view. And if you think climate change is made up, then you'll tend to seek out articles or reports that say it's all made up. And of course, you can then end up in a bubble 
by only looking at things that support your pre-existing beliefs. And confirmation bias is a big one because we're all impacted. It can cause people to have beliefs about things that are patently untrue. Like thinking someone from a different culture is bad just because they're from a different culture. Or less significant things like how we only pay attention to what our star sign prediction in the newspaper says on the days that it's accurate. So, how do we stop confirmation bias? Well, we can't stop it. But a good approach is to train ourselves to actively try to find examples of things that are different to our point of view. I used to work for a guy who taught me a great many things which stick in my mind today. And one was, he said that no matter what you believe, try to talk to someone who has a different point of view about it. At worst, they'll just confirm that your view is right, but sometimes they'll help you see that your view could be wrong. So, kicking off our list, confirmation bias. It's a biggie and one to watch out for. By the way, if you want to read more about any of these biases, there's some great work at Very Well Mind. I'll put the link in, there's lots more information there. Or, of course, you can Google each of these terms and find equally helpful information at places like Psychology Today, the NHS, or even good old Wikipedia. Our second cognitive bias is called the self-serving bias. Have you ever watched your kids do something really great on the sports field and feel a real sense of pride in how you brought them up? But then, when their side loses, it's all about the ref. You know when you read those articles about people like Jeff Bezos or Steve Jobs and how the success of their business is entirely down to the great things that they did? Well, these are all examples of the self-serving bias. Put simply, it says, things went well because of me, but they went badly because of someone else. Next time you're reading an article on the 10 things that Elon Musk does before breakfast, resist the temptation to believe that they are solely the reason he is successful. Luck plays a huge part in life. And if you don't believe me, have a read of the Scientific American article that I've put in the show notes. So that's bias number two, the self-serving bias. Bias number three is the availability heuristic. Now this snappy name was coined by our friend Danny Kahneman and his colleague Amos Tversky in 1973. Did I sound a bit over-familiar there with Danny Kahneman? Um, if only I was clever enough to be his friend. Anyway, put simply, the availability heuristic says, if you can think of it, it must be important. Picture the scene. You're on the beach. The sun is shining. You're really hot. So, you decide to go for a swim. But as you get closer to the water, all you can think of is... Now, if you haven't seen the film Jaws, you probably don't know what I'm doing. Um, but you might have seen documentaries about how sharks are apex predators. They're number one in the food chain and so on. And so you grab your flip-flops and you run back to your sunbed. Now, many of us have this overpowering image of great white sharks biting us clean in half. But actually, do you know how many people in the world die every year from shark attacks? 
What do you reckon it is? 200, 300, 1,000? No, it's four. And half the time, it's because they started it. You see, the reason we have this strong belief of the danger is the availability heuristic. It makes us massively overestimate the chances of something happening to us because we can easily think of that thing happening. In fact, 12 people a year die from taking selfies. 135 people die from coconuts falling on their head. Now, the availability heuristic can cause us stress or it can cause us to make bad choices. So how do we overcome it? Well, what you can do is you can work hard to not allow one single source of information to form your whole world view. Challenge what people tell you. Look for the facts and find things out for yourself. Oh, and if you're taking a selfie, don't do it under a coconut tree. Okay, now before we look at bias number four, I've got some bad news. Now, normal humans operate 99% effectively and have a 1% dash of silliness going on in their life. Steve in the field is the other way around. In fact, good luck finding even 1% of common sense in what you're about to hear. I foolishly agree that he could send us a lockdown diary. However, he seems to have completely misunderstood what the problem is and, well, listen for yourself. Here's the first half of his audio diary. I'm off to boil my head in that kettle. So I've decided to record an audio diary about how things are changing in the lockdown. So here we are, it's day seven. The lockdown started a week ago and I can't leave my house for any reason other than exercise. And it's brilliant. I've watched three Netflix box sets and that's the same as everyone else has been doing because I've seen loads of people on social media um, enjoying this time as well. Everyone's doing the same thing. Everyone's watching Netflix. Everyone's relaxing. I mean, there's a couple of people moaning, but I don't read what they write because this is the life. I'm loving lockdown. You get to do nothing all day. What could go wrong? It's Steve in the field here. Lockdown, day seven. I'll talk to you in a week. Okay, it's day 14. Um, so far, I've watched, I've watched loads of great TV. There's lots of documentaries on at the moment about what's going on. Um, documentary programs like things called The Walking Dead. And then there's been some great film documentaries like um, 28 Days Later and another one called Contagion. I've eaten most of my food now. I am really going to need to think about going out. I'm not sure how I feel about going outside at the moment though. I don't know why, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be fun out there. But I do need to plan a trip to the shop. Um, I'll work something out and I'll, I'll let you know tomorrow. So, Steve in the field, day 14, end of recording. Hello, is, is Steve in the field here. Um, it's day 15 of lockdown. So I spent the last 24 hours watching the news. Um, that didn't really cheer me up. Apparently, the lunatics have been buying all the toilet roll. They've left the shelves empty. I don't know what's wrong with people. Why do you need toilet roll in a zombie apocalypse? The thing is, I've now run out of toilet roll, so I need to buy some. And I should probably get some spare in case these idiots bulk purchase it all. I also need some soap and some food as well. Um, 
not really had a shower for a while. I'm definitely thinking about going out tomorrow. Let's have a look out the window. Mm, seems, seems quiet. Um, oh no, hang on a minute. There's someone at the door. Oh, pretend I'm not in. I wonder if they're infected. Can you catch the zombie virus through a letterbox? I'm not sure. I'll Google it and find out. Uh, end of daily transmission. Right, it's day 17. Today's the day. I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna walk to the supermarket. I've got my carrier bag. Um, I'm opening the door. Let's have a look. They said on the internet that people are going out in their tracksuits pretending to exercise. And I also read that people who are jogging, they breathe harder so they can give you this disease. I need to avoid them. Let's have a look. Uh, looks all right. Take a few steps. I mean, the supermarket's about a 15 minute walk away, so What's that? Oh no. Someone's running down the road. They're coming towards me. Oh, they look really pale. Oh, they're running. They're kind of dragging their foot. Quick. I want to get back. Do I take a risk? Oh. Oh. Right. Let's see what I can order online, eh? Talk to you soon. See, I told you it'd be rubbish. Let's hope that when we hear the second half later, there'll be less nonsense. Right, back to cognitive biases. Number four. It's got a really sexy name. It's the... Fundamental Attribution Error. You know when you judge someone for being late because you believe they're really lazy, but when you're late... There's always a genuine reason. If you've heard the phrase, we judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their actions, you're in the right ballpark. Now, the fundamental attribution error is a tough one to overcome. Again, the more we can work on talking to people and finding out about what's going on in their world, the less likely we are to make judgments about their character or personality. If you bought more toilet roll than you needed during the pandemic, whilst calling other people panic buyers, you just experienced the fundamental attribution error. And it's good news because it means that, actually, you are just like most other normal human beings in the world. Number five. Anchoring. Now, anchoring is really interesting because knowing how anchoring works can put you at an advantage in certain situations. If you're buying a car and you know that the model that you like sells for 10,000 of whatever your currency is, and then you see one for 8,000, you might go ahead and buy it because it feels like an amazing bargain. But you might do that without checking to see if there's another one at a lower price. Anchoring is where, when making a decision or a choice about something, we rely too heavily on the first bit of information that we're given. Often, the anchor is formed around the higher number so that the lower one feels better. And what's weird is that even if we know the higher number is ludicrous, we still can't help feeling better about the lower one. 
I'm doing that thing with my hands now. This is the higher number and this is the lower one. Um, so if you're in a situation where you're negotiating something, bear the anchoring principle in mind. It could help. Sorry, just can you bear with me a second? Hello? Are you in the studio? Yeah, I'm, I'm just recording the next episode. Why? Dinner will be ready soon. How long do you think you're going to be? Um... Probably about another two hours. That's no good, it'll be burnt. Okay, how about half an hour then? Yeah, okay, cool. I'll keep it warm. Cool. Okay, sorry about that. Um. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, anchoring. Bias number six, the sunk cost fallacy. Imagine you're in a restaurant. One of those places where... You pay in advance like a fast food place. And you've ordered your food and you've paid 20 quid or $20, whatever. And you sit down and you start scoffing. And halfway through, you realise that you've ordered too much. You can't send it back because it's been made for you. What do you do? Do you A, throw the rest away? Or B, eat it anyway because you've paid 20 notes and you don't want to waste money? Well, if it's the last one then you are a victim of the sunk cost fallacy. So the way this works is that we can sometimes worry more about what we've spent than the cost of carrying on. And it is reasonable to wish in hindsight that we hadn't spent money or time on something if we didn't need to. And the sunk cost fallacy or bias can actually make us make poor choices about what we're going to do next. It can make us stick with something that's actually doing us no favours because we've already invested some time or some money. You could be at a job where you've put 10 years of hard work in, but you're still unhappy, but you stay there because you've given 10 years of your life. It can apply to a project that you've invested money in. It can apply to a relationship. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you should rush out and end relationships or leave jobs. But be aware that if the only thing that's making you stick with something is because of what you've invested so far, you might want to try to consider, well, what is the cost of sticking with it? Now again, that's easy to say and not so easy to do. One technique is to work out how other people might see your situation. Imagine asking their advice, or actually, if you can, actually ask for their advice. Because someone else, they haven't made the investment of time or money, so they might be able to see the situation much more objectively, and they might be able to help you to reframe it in a way that helps you too. So that's number six, the sunk cost fallacy. Number seven is called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Now this effect is named after the researchers David Dunning and Justin Kruger. As the old saying goes, a little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing. Here's a question for you. What do Inspector Gadget, David Brent or Michael Scott from The Office, depending on which side of the Atlantic you live on, Alan Partridge, Homer Simpson and Ron Burgundy all have in common? They're all bad at what they do, but they're completely oblivious of it. In fact, they think they are good at what they do. I found that interesting, actually. They're all blokes as well. I actually struggle to find famous female characters who are bumbling idiots. Whilst this comedy character is well-known, this oblivious bumbling idiot, in real life, we all know someone like this. Someone who thinks that they are the best at something since sliced bread, but actually, they're rubbish. 
So the Dunning-Kruger bias is where someone thinks they're good at something, but they're not at all. It makes someone who's got a low ability at something overestimate that ability. Now, you could be forgiven for thinking that this bias only affects a few people, but it actually affects all of us. David Dunning does a nice talk on TED-Ed on why this area can be a challenge. I'll put the link in the show notes. Here's a snip. 88% of American drivers describe themselves as having above-average driving skills. These aren't isolated findings. On average, people tend to rate themselves better than most in disciplines ranging from health, leadership skills, ethics, and beyond. What's particularly interesting is that those with the least ability are often the most likely to overrate their skills to the greatest extent. People measurably poor at logical reasoning, grammar, financial knowledge, math, emotional intelligence, running medical lab tests, and chess all tend to rate their expertise almost as favorably as actual experts do. A great example of this Dunning-Kruger bias is YouTube. A huge chunk of YouTube consists of people showing us how to do things. And some of those people might even be experts in their chosen subject. But that doesn't make them expert teachers or expert filmmakers. Actually, it's quite difficult to make a good quality video. Trust me, I've been working on one recently and it's hard work. But because something looks easy, we can make the mistake of thinking that we can do it easily and that we do it well. So next time someone tells you that despite not being a qualified electrician, they're confident they can rewire your house, beware the Dunning-Kruger effect. Now speaking of oblivious bumbling idiots, let's get back to Steve in the field and his lockdown diary and find out how he's getting on. It's going to be rubbish. Hello. Um, <clears throat> right, Steve in the field here. Uh, day 21. I'm in the kitchen, you can probably tell. Um, <clears throat> not really got any food left now. I had cereal for dinner for the last few days. I went online to order some soap and stuff. It's really annoying. Everyone's saying, like, for, for delivery for soap, it's like 30 days for delivery. That's no good, is it? Luckily, then, I found a website where they can deliver in seven days. And hopefully, the soap will feel like it's worth five pounds a bar. I do, I really have to get some food, though. Um, I might just watch a few more episodes of that documentary, The Walking Dead, first, just to see if I can learn any tricks or techniques, and then I'll give you an update tomorrow. End of daily transmission. Right, it's day 22. I'm definitely going to do it today. I watched Zombieland yesterday and they said that so long as I'm careful of bathrooms, I limber up and I don't be a hero, I'll be okay. So I've done some stretching. I've had a wee. I'm going to keep away from people and I think I'll be okay. Right, here we go. I'm going to turn this off so I can concentrate but I'll take it with me just in case anything happens. I'll keep you posted. I'm halfway there. There's a pensioner running after me. But I've done half the journey, so I might as well carry on. I'll keep running faster. Um, 
I just, I really want to get some baked beans on toast. I'm going to keep going. I can do this. Right, I'm in the supermarket. There was a massive queue. Um, I got really nervous because there were people all around me, but for some reason I kept thinking that their arms and legs were going to fall off, but they didn't. So that was good. Um, I've never dealt with a situation like this, really. I feel like I could be really good at it, actually. Um, I think I'm a bit of a natural. I'm not going to make the mistakes all those people in the movies make. Maybe when this is all over, uh, I could make a career training people on how to deal with difficult situations. Yeah, I'm going to write that down. Anyway, where's the toilet roll? Excuse me? Hello, Steve in the field here. Uh, it's day 24. So I'm actually, I'm pretty pleased with how I dealt with that supermarket situation a couple of days ago. Those tips I got from all the zombie documentary films, they really helped. The thing is, right, that what you have to do is you have to give off an air of confidence. If you act confident all the time, then people just know that you're in charge. And as I walk around, I can tell that everyone's looking at me and they're thinking, he's in charge. He's got his stuff together. I wasn't ever bothered at any point. The moment I decided to go, that was it. There was no hesitation. You see, that's the thing. Hesitate and you're lost. You've got to grab life by the scruff of the neck and go for it. I'm definitely going to make some YouTube videos about the importance of confidence and how to act when everyone's looking at you. How to, how to deal with difficult situations like supermarkets or people in tracksuits. I really feel good now. I'm going to cook myself some baked beans on toast now because I feel like a winner. Um, it, it's still day 24. So I went to make some baked beans on toast and I was really looking forward to that lovely tomato and bean taste. But um, sadly, I went to get them out of the cupboard and I guess I must have just been paying too much attention to the danger and the risk around me in the supermarket and not to the tins because I've actually bought butter beans tinned butter beans I hate butter beans but it's not my fault there was so much going on in the supermarket with infections and attackers and people ready to bite me how was I supposed to tell what kind of beans I was buying I think I'll, I'll watch the news again I mean this lockdown has been going for 24 days now surely it must be over soon. And in the meantime, I'm looking forward to having a shower when my soap arrives next week. Um, this is Steve in the field. Um, I'm signing off. I'm a bit smelly. Luckily, you can only hear me. I smell quite bad. Back to you in the studio, Steve. I'm going to end the diary here. I know it wasn't great. But it wasn't my fault. Right, back with the adults again. Actually, I do feel a bit sorry for him. Should I? Do you? Anyway, three more biases to go, and at number eight, it is the spotlight effect. This is where, um, when people wear clothing that they think is embarrassing, they tend to overestimate how noticeable their clothing is to others. And similarly, when people wear clothes that are counterfeits of 
high-quality, expensive brands, they tend to overestimate the amount that other people are going to notice what they're wearing or even care what they're wearing. The good news is we can relax because people notice us a lot less than we think. The spotlight effect happens because of egocentrism. We can see the world from our own perspective and we hugely overestimate how others see us. And it makes us believe that when we walk out of the lavatory with a water splash on our clothes, or we leave the house with a cowlick of hair sticking up, or even, as has actually been tested, we go out in public with a yellow Barry Manilow t-shirt. In reality, people notice us a lot less than we think. So we can relax. Speaking of what the world thinks, cognitive bias number nine is the just world hypothesis. Have you heard phrases like, she got what was coming to her, or what goes around comes around? They suggest that the the merits of a situation aren't enough and that there is some justice, there's some idea that everything fits into. It makes us think that if we do something great, it will be rewarded, and if we do something bad, it will be punished. Now, that doesn't sound too bad until you think about the impact. The just world hypothesis is the bias that makes us think that a homeless person must be homeless because of something they did, or a victim of crime is in some way responsible themselves. If we hold on to the idea that the world is just, then it must follow that these people are suffering for a good reason. Yeah, it's not great, is it? A chap called Miles has a video on YouTube about this subject. Here's a snip. The just world hypothesis is a cognitive bias in which we as human beings try to make sense of a world that is unfortunately unjust. We like to believe noble acts lead to reward and bad actions result in punishment. And so when we see bad things happen to good people and good to bad, there is a tendency to view such situations in a way that reduces this sense of guilt or discomfort. I have been fascinated by this concept for a long time because when it comes to activism and political discourse, you see this process play out quite often. I mean, here are a few examples. Poverty. Well, if they just worked harder, the system would reward them accordingly. Obesity. They clearly just need to take better care of their eating habits. The refugee crisis. These families are so irresponsible taking their young children on rafts and putting their lives in danger like that. So this just world hypothesis can stop us from feeling compassion. It can actually make us feel quite harshly towards people who are different to us. Now, I'm not going to get into a religious or a spiritual debate here. I have my own views on all that stuff, and this is not about them. And also, the just world bias is a cognitive bias that can help us because it can make us feel less anxious, but it can hinder us as well. The advice from Very Well Mind is, being aware of it can help. Focus on looking at all the elements of the situation. This includes accounting for a person's behaviour, as well as things such as environmental factors, societal pressures and cultural expectations. In the end, look at all the facts before you judge. Now for our final bias, because I love you and I want to give you value, it's a two for one. So this is the negativity and optimism biases. Often in the world, optimism is talked about in a positive way. 
and negativity in a, well, you know, optimism good, negativity bad. But when it comes to the optimism and negativity bias, these can both actually cause problems. The optimism bias can cause us not to wear seatbelts or not put sunscreen on and it can cause us to take up harmful activities like smoking. And this is because we can sometimes have this blind optimism that nothing bad is ever going to happen to us. The negativity bias, well, that can cause us to dwell on criticisms or thinking about arguments with our partner instead of the good times. And it causes us to focus on what could go wrong in any situation. And, confusingly, both these biases have benefits. Optimism can help us solve problems and work towards goals, and a healthy dose of negativism can help us be realistic and to think about how to prevent things going wrong. I've tried saying this next piece loads of times and I'm getting really stuck with it. My favourite quote, which seems to fit the negativity bias, has been attributed to people like Mark Twain, Thomas Jefferson and Winston Churchill is this. I am an old man and I've known a great many troubles, but most of them never happen. So, how can we change our thinking? Well, if you tend to suffer from a negativity bias, then you can work on more positive self-talk, reframing situations or establishing new patterns to change your perspective. If an optimism bias means you don't see things realistically, try allowing yourself to make mistakes. Experience what happens when things go wrong. Within reason, obviously. And talk to other people about the pitfalls that they can see about your situation or your plans. To find out more information on those solutions and all the biases we've covered, there's loads of links in the show notes at sharppodcast.com and the link to this episode is at the top of the page. So that's the end of our top 10 cognitive biases list. Hopefully you found it thought-provoking and helpful. Well, apart from the bits with Steve in the field anyway. I mean, his bits, they weren't any help at all, were they? There were no examples in there of the confirmation bias or the availability heuristic. He didn't talk about the fundamental attribution error. There was no anchoring. There was no Dunning-Kruger effect. There wasn't a sunk cost fallacy, a spotlight effect, and we didn't even see the self-serving bias in there, did we? Did we? Hmm. Let me go back and listen again. Just want to make doubly sure I can still call him an idiot. In the meantime, while I'm doing that, I'm going to hand you over to me, Steve in the studio, but outside. So this is Steve in the studio outside. It's been great to be able to record again outside. It's been far too long. So I want to thank you for listening. Um, You may have spotted that we've changed our intro and our outro. Um, You can listen for the new outro in a minute. And if you like what we do, I'd love you to buy me a cup of coffee. Over the last few weeks, as I mentioned at the start, we'd stopped giving shout-outs to friends of the podcast and people who inspire us. So I'm going to sort that out right now and say thank you to a few people. First, Vicky. Now you might remember in episode 59 we featured Laurie Jeffrey. Laurie is an amazing creative person. He's a cameraman, a photographer, a filmmaker, and well, creativity is strong in that family because Vicky, Laurie's wife, does some amazing artwork. These watercolours she does are wonderful. She made a, a really cool painting of Pepper the podcast cat. 
and it was honestly it was so detailed it was like a photograph you can find vicky's work on etsy at crobbles c-r-o-b-b-l-e-s and she is also on instagram as crobbles as well check her out um, there's a couple of past podcast guests who are doing amazing things that you should also check out as well. I've said check out quite a lot, haven't I? Uh, the first one's Jessica Abel. So Jessica was in episode 42 and she's currently got a thing called the Creative Focus Workshop. So that's designed to help you stop getting stuck in your creative projects. It shows you how to prioritise so you can work on the stuff you have to do and the things you want to do. Um, Anyway, check it out at creativeworkshop.com and Jessica is on Twitter. She is J-C-C-A-B-E-L. Then also we had Laura Gassner-Otting. She joined us in episode 54 to talk about the launch of her book, Limitless. Now that has gone from strength to strength. It reached number three in the Washington Post bestseller list and was on Amazon.com's best-selling new release. Sorry, it was Amazon.com's best-selling new release. If you've not checked it out, have a look. It's the Limitless book, and it's all about achieving success on your terms and not other people's. And Laura has got loads going on. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram, and she is HeyLGO. So that's H-E-Y-L-G-O. Finally, a couple of podcast friends. The Woo Long Talks podcast is two fellas called Jay and Rich. And they describe themselves as black, British and geeky. And their podcast chat is all about movies, geeky stuff, comics, Marvel, you know, the kind of thing. They are great supporters of Sharp Podcasts. They're always sharing. So will you please go and check them out? It's wulongtalks.com. That's W-O-O, woo. And on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, they are wulongtalks. And then there's Run With Me on this. Stacey has a great podcast. Each episode has two versions. So there's one version that's got upbeat music that keeps your energy up while you're running. Or if you don't want the music version, you can just listen to the Stacey talking version with no music. So far, she's covered bad habits, ageing, cannibalism, alcohol and sleep. Wow, that's a lot, isn't it? Um, So check it out. So the podcast is called Run With Me On This. And on Twitter, she is Run With Me Pod. And Instagram, Run With Me On This. So that's it. Them's the shouts. Oh, <laughs> what's that? Them's the shouts. Did I actually write those words? I did. Those are the shout outs. Hello, everyone. Um, I hope you're all okay. It is great to be back in the studio and outside. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I'll see you next time. Until then, be aware of your faulty thinking. Challenge what you see, hear, and experience, and you never know, it might even help you get better at anything that you turn your mind to. Bye bye. We hope that you enjoyed what you've just listened to. Have a look at the show notes for the episode. They're at sharppodcast.com, one word, two Ps. And there you'll see the links, resources that we used, and there's reminders there to help you get better at what we talked about. You know, making this podcast is a labour of love. And we genuinely do it for one reason, to help you. And we want to help as many people as we can. But to do that, we need your support. So now this is where you can help us. Firstly, you can help us in ways that don't cost you any money. You can share our episodes on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We are at Sharp Podcast, one word, two Ps. You could send a link to a friend or help them subscribe on their device. And another free way you can support is to give us a five-star review on 
Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher app. And if you are in a position to contribute a small amount financially, you could buy me a coffee. Go to the website, sharppodcast.com, and click on the orange button, and you can buy me a coffee. You can buy me two coffees. You can do it as a one-off, or you can do it regularly. It's up to you. If you can help, it will go some way to supporting the cost of the gear, the software, and the stuff that I invest in to help you. So next time you make a coffee, or you buy one for a friend... Don't forget your friend at Sharp Podcast. Thanks for your help. It's really appreciated. Bye-bye. Cup of tea. One, two. Recording the sound of making a cup of tea. Uh, hmm. Okay. Now, what was I doing again?